Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Michael Daniels. How's it going this week, Mike? It's going pretty good, Dennis. You're sounding of good quality tonight. How are you feeling? <laughs> uh, not, not great, as it happens. I woke up with a weird sore throat that somewhere around 10, 30, 11 a.m. pivoted into an awesome, like, sinus runny nose thing that made one of my eyes water for about an hour and a half, which makes it really convenient to work at a computer and like read code, man. But, uh, well, yeah, that, speaking, that mostly passed coming across good. So it's whatever it is, it's working by, by, by this afternoon. Yeah. I found, found some ginger ale, made some soup, but added, uh, added some yeah. whiskey to your ginger ale. I know you, uh, I know you, <laughs> That was at lunch, so 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 not quite. <laughs> I am lunch. I I do have I do have tea with rum in it right now, but uh, <laughs> yeah. At, at, not that we're we're condoning that while recording people for podcasts, but you know, mm-hmm. es- especially if you if you record while driving, that's that's right out. Oh yes, totally. So right we we are recording on a Tuesday off of our off of our normal schedule. It's yeah. currently forty two days until Gen Con. Woo. Getting get getting there. We're almost what is that? Like six weeks? Five, yeah. six weeks? I've got this I've got this math, thing. Math like, is hard. It's like six weeks, I think is what it is. Just six at six weeks. We have uh Yeah, it's exactly six when weeks. When Sydney goes right. away, my daughter goes away for the summer. I, I always have mm-hmm. a little bit of it's a little bit of anxiety. It's a it's a weird kind of situation where um she her summer is not like when we were kids summer with her school. It's only like seven, seven right. weeks mostly. So it's a short summer, but it's a time where I get to do like single bachelor type stuff where I get to go around and do whatever I want to do, stay out later or whatever. And sure, sure. But I still have to work. It's not like I don't work during the summer. Um, <laughs> so so my my little bit of anxiety comes is that I have I've got to make the best of every single moment. You know, mm. got to make it the maximized of, of whatever. That's the um th- that that's the FOMO. What, the what? The fear of missing out. The fear of missing out. That's right, right. Um, so you know, I have to, it's it's totally. I I love Sid and I and I enjoy my time with her absolutely a million percent. But you know, that time when you you don't have to be a parent for a while is kind of nice. So I have uh, that's been my like last weekend and stuff is is doing everything every day and it and I actually. The funny part about it is, is that I've I've been building in days to do nothing. Mostly, those days are, are mm, filled mm-hmm. with my plans to play video games and watch movies. Um, sure, sure. And I had, uh, um, it was, I think it was Sunday. I was like, I'm doing nothing. I was I wiped myself out <laughs> Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and was completely wiped. And then, and then Sunday comes along, and I'm like, I am just gonna. I'm going to play video games. I'm, I've got Diablo three and for the PlayStation and um, heavenly, not heavenly sword, but uh, horizon zero dawn. And I'm going to finish that and go for it. And then I'm going to go spend my whole time at the movie theater. And then I had a friend call me up and we went to the pool and did other stuff and ended up being like, because I can, because I can just like make these random, mm-hmm. random stuff. So it's been pretty good, except now I'm really exhausted. Dennis, <laughs> <laughs> I am not used to yep, like three yep, hours that's... of sleep a night. Ugh. Right, right. That's, that's how that goes. So you guys, um, you and and our other friends down in Bloomington, pushed up your Tuesday night games that would have been happening tonight to last night because I believe you said Trotsky was going out of town. 
And you guys are doing uh, Star Wars Imperial Assault and Gloomhaven. Is that, that correct? Is correct. And I am a part of the Gloomhaven group. You're on the Gloomhaven side. Now, that's a game I haven't played. I, I looked at it. It was very intriguing to me, but I'm not in a situation where I, as I've said on the show, I would not have a regular like co-op group to get mm-hmm. the full experience out of a game like that, especially at its price point. I, I couldn't justify it. But, yep. of course, everybody who has played it raves about it. It's still number one on Board Game Geek. Was this... um? Is this the first session you guys played? Well, technically the second. Um, the first okay. one was spent mostly just learning the game. Um, yeah, yeah. I I remember Fox in, in the group chat sending you guys videos and whatever and saying like, yeah, you got to watch this 20-minute video that's the, yeah. this overview and then this 40-minute video that's, that's this overview. Well, it, it does. In, in the game... I can say this about Gloomhaven for people who are listening and wondering or, or have heard about it. And, and I, I really don't want that comment that you had said to, to get out to the general public and have that be a judgmental <laughs> part of the game. Because, <clears throat> yes. I mean, is, no, there, none there of this is, is going to air, so don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> well, the the thing is, is that, yes, there there is a how-to, like a 25-minute how-to play video. Um, but... Mm-hmm. It's not that complicated. The game itself is actually pretty streamlined and pretty easy. There is a lot to the game, but not necessarily to play the game. It's just that there's a lot to the game. So there's, what's there's a lot your of uh, stuff? So what's your time like? So so if you spend twenty five minutes watching a video about how to play, how long does a session typically take? Well, again, I want to say this early in our second one, and the first one we only played. What we did was we we learned a lot, and then it started getting really late. And when I got about mm-hmm. there's there's in the very first scenario there's three rooms, and we got through the first okay. room and op- opened the door to the second one, um, and that's all I we see. got. So that, it wasn't a fair to judge the time on that one. So this next one we started and we got through the next. We went through the next two rooms, and it took us about an hour and a half. Um, okay, so and, that's that's not too bad. I'm I'm in my mind comparing it with um, the World of Warcraft board game that I played at. Um, oh no no! I C G Con. I was yeah. I always call it Nerdfest, and so I forget the actual name. <laughs> right, um, right, right. Which, uh, you it, it's, know, but no, your other friends Bill will find the, hilarious. The, um, that's a perfect example. But we we wow spent. Is- we spent half an hour like watching video, reading the you know, I'm like reading the rule book aloud, hoping that the other three guys are are listening and paying more attention than I am, just mm-hmm. trying to read it and pronounce it all. Um and then the game itself takes like four hours in a session. Right. So um I could see that. Now you said you're going through rooms. Um is this game campaign style or is it more module style? Along the lines of like um, Mech's first minions. Uh, that's a good question. I, I, there was some confusion. With you don't know group. yet. No, no, no. I, I think I've gotten it. There's some. There was some confusion about that from our own group of people, like Trotsky, who owns it. What we thought it was. <clears throat> we first initially thought it was a legacy mm-hmm. game where the board changes, and then you have to make decisions. The board changes, and then we, we heard it wasn't. Um, so here's what I have actually found it to be. <clears throat> it's a combination of all of that. Um, there's like 125 hmm. scenarios to this game. So <laughs> to play through them all is almost going to be impossible. And actually, when you look at that, it's pretty obvious early on that this is only like part one of Gloomhaven, that the board itself is already looks like it's 
it's supposed to continue on to the rest to another part of the world. Um, so there's so be so are you saying they're going to release another forty pound uh, gigantic board yeah, game box for sure? And I think they definitely will. Um, so the way this, I, I don't, want, I won't go in depth. I'll just keep it light. Um, now, when you is, say when you say 125 scenarios, is that like there are 125 printed scenarios or is yes. it like the Lord of the Rings card game where like you shuffle the deck? So it's no. going to be different every no, time. No, it's 125 printed scenarios. So that's why there's that giant spiral bound book of. Uh, yes, the campaign stuff of, of information. So the, the, the if you think of, the best way to initially describe this game is the there's the old books that were like have, have build your own adventure books where you would. You would read for three pages, and then at the end it would say, here's two choices. For the first choice, go to page 17. For the next choice, go to page 45. And then... Oh, yeah. Choose your, like the old books. Yes. I don't know if they still make those, but... Yeah. I don't either, but those were pretty fun. Um, and that's kind of how this one is. You go through, and you play this scenario, and you ch- you make choices. And, okay, so mm-hmm. I make this choice... By by whatever thing you've done in that scenario. When I say scenario, it's like a map. So it's a it's a, a board game where you play uh, with miniatures, and you go through and do the whatever the objective is on that that thing. And depending on what you do and the choices you make on that thing, you your results on the scenario will say, well, you've killed the boss, so now you in, decided to interrogate him, and you found out that. Uh, there's another cavern deeper down. Or if you decided to just kill him outright, because that's what your group did, then you're done with that scenario and you have to go back to town and report to the guy that there was nothing found. When you go back to the town, he sends you on a different path. He'll take you to scenario 25. Whereas this one takes you to scenario 2, if you do the other one. Um, So you'll never go to scenario 2 unless you make the choice in scenario 1. I see. So it's a little bit like there there are a handful of um, modern video games that use this technique in like dialogue trees, mm-hmm. right? You make you make different choices, and now you've unlocked a different thing. I think that the Telltale games are like that, though. Right. I've not gotten more than like half an hour, an hour into one of those games. I sure th- th- it doesn't hold my attention for whatever reason. Yeah, I can I can understand that. Yeah, so, so I'm that's, not, that's I'm, the... I'm not quite young enough to be a millennial, but every time mm-hmm. I'm like sitting and doing something, I'm like, what if I was doing this other thing? This other thing, right? Well, it, so that that's the main idea of it. Um, now there there are there yeah, are... that sounds cool. It's a little bit like, um, I mean, the miniatures format is very similar to like a like Zombie Side or um, uh, Ravenloft, one yeah. of those, as far as like the miniatures and the. Um, you know, Space Hulk or whatever. Um, but the the quest system sounds to me like a, you know, it's like an RPG without the DM. Because you've got yes. the book to tell you, like, go to this page and, and this page. Yeah, and, like it, it, it runs, and it runs those guys and, and stuff. Which yeah, all, it, all, of the, all of that sounds really cool. It, How it is, is really the, cool. um, is, I, I assume that there's combat. How is that handled? Very simply as well. The 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 inter- here before I get into that, I'll, I will say that really quickly. Um, there is um, I, I wanted to say a little bit more on the campaign part about about it. Is that oh um, right right the, is that so you put it once you complete one of the scenarios, you put a sticker on the board to show that you've been and completed that area. So you're kind of you are literally that's the legacy part of it. You are stickering the board, 
Um, mm-hmm. and then, and then if you, let's say find a treasure, um, you can complete your own little personal quest or something. You unlock global achievements and that's another sticker that goes on the board, like a flag at the top of the board. And that gives you mm-hmm. your, your characters access to special powers or abilities they didn't have before. Um, so okay. by doing certain paths in the campaign, you can unlock more abilities and powers and things like that, depending on your choices. And that's kind of a permanent thing. Yeah, so it's 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 a little confusing to have all these labels. And I think we've determined that a a campaign game has a um, series of stories that usually go in sequence. Or stories maybe is the wrong word, though I don't have a better one that's as universal. Um, and a legacy game... Um, changes like the game itself changes based on your decisions a campaign game could have like level up mechanics Mm -hmm. but the game itself is the same and it's also replayable Um, it sounds like if you're modifying the board in any way that seems to uh, yeah that, that, that was one of really our issues. Hinder or negate any any kind of repo, replayability. It's one of the issues we had with, with Trotsky because Trotsky owns it, but he's not playing. He's playing the Imperial Assault group. And he had thought oh, that wow. since there's 125 scenarios and Imperial Assault will go through theirs real quickly and then we'll switch up groups and we can hop in and out. Well, I'm not sure how that's going to be. You can, but the thing is, is that the group that played before is making decisions on that world and where you're going and what's unlocked and what's been done and you can't mm-hmm. go back so it's kind of like if you think of D playing an entire campaign if you think of this like D, where you play it from level one to 20 and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you play to level five and then a whole other group of player comes in group group comes in makes all new characters the old group stops playing and then the new group picks up the storyline well they have no idea what happened before right or the decisions that they got made before they're just playing from where it started so that's exactly how this game is, is, you know, hmm. it's, it's kind of like that. Okay. So the, the combat, um, is, oh, hold on. There's one more, th- one more very important thing about the, the campaigns <laughs> game is that you start with an option of the characters that you play, which are starkly different. They come in little like prepackaged boxes that are sealed and closed and you get a pick from hmm. seven different classes you, of the four player game. And then are they, are they archetypal classes? I guess I should have not. asked this before is, What's the what's the setting of this? Is it you know high fantasy. fantasy? I think it's fantasy. It's high just fantasy, just pretty standard fantasy. It is with some like uh, tinkering and steampunk type stuff in it. Um, so yeah, they're they're not they're not archetypes at all. There's there might be a little bit like my guy ended up being a healer type, so you might call him a cleric, but he's a an engineerish guy. So he heals through mm. potions, I guess, but. Um, but anyway, um, Interesting. You, there's seven of these boxes now in the box in this huge 20 pound box, there's like 25 different sealed class boxes, but you can only pick from mm-hmm. seven initially. Now this game is different in that unlike D and D where you usually play one character unless you die all the way through this one, each character, at the beginning of character creation is giving a random personal quest and their, that is their goal for their character to complete. And, they're sure. not easy to complete. Mine looks like it's going to... You actually get two two cards and you get to pick one. Um, mine looks mm-hmm, like it's mm-hmm. going to be several sessions before I can finally complete it. But when you complete it, it doesn't matter what level your character is or all of his stats. He is retired. He, is, he has completed his goal and you are done. So you put that character in the box 
and then you create a new one. And you st- and then it's kind of like um, I don't know if I don't know if you do this in your games, but the the handful of Pathfinder games that I played um, with uh, with someone else DMing, like if your character died, um, he he would have us re-roll a new character at the same level. Yes, it's kind of like that. Which is kind of like, you know, thematically, story-wise, it's it's sad. You know, it was tragic when my first ever character died because I rolled a one on yeah. a fortitude save. Um, but then, then I had the opportunity kind of understanding the rules a little more of rolling a character that was more competent. Yes, which is a little bit, you know, it's the whole main maxing argument, but right. um, though, but that personal quest uh, aspect is interesting. It's like um, that reminds me a little bit of pandemic where you have the option, but it's much more integrated into the game system where like, you know, you're trying to achieve this thing, but then once you do now, you got to be somebody else. You yeah. play a different, and, 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 more well, like you Paragon could, you could class technically, or something. You could pick the same one, but, but here's the thing too. So, Again, depending on choices that you've made, where what you're going through the game, you could maybe you. Uh, I'm just making this up because I have no idea. But you go through and you're finding and trying to find a gnome and rescue him or something like that, arcanist. And you go through and you finally and if you successfully rescue that guy, the reward for that scenario that you happen to go through that storyline could be you have now unlocked the arcanist quest or class. So when you create a new character, now instead of the seven initial choices, you've got eight out of the 25 that you could potentially unlock. So you unlock access to new characters as you go through, um, which is... Yeah, as as you're describing it, I, I see why this game is so popular. Like, a lot of that sounds really cool, really well thought out. Well, here, here's something you're going to like even better. Um, so the guy on the Dice Tower... Oh, what's his name? The main guy. He he's actually playing this solo, and you can play it solo. This game is totally soloable. So while it's a two hundred dollar game, and it, that makes me balk about it, I actually really <laughs> want to play this game every day. Like I want to play it because I want to go down the storyline. And you can play this. It's got rules for solo. Basically, what happens is that you play two characters. Um, oh sure, sure. Right, but but he's playing well. Solo, when I uh, and then someone comes in randomly and you, they just jump in with a new class. You know somebody. Somebody on Reddit is unloading their entire uh, The Lord of the Rings, the card game collection. Oh. And it's like the guy has two core sets and everything up to the very last, uh, the Haradrim expansion and its quests, its wow. adventure packs, and the very last Lord of the Rings saga expansion, which is... What's he charging uh, Mountain for of Mountain of Fire. He's asking 350 or he's ho- he was hoping to get 350 and then like plus whatever shipping is and the guy is out in Seattle or not in yeah. Seattle but in middle Washington somewhere. Yeah. And I was like I was like man I wonder if I could talk my brother or sister-in-law into road tripping a couple hours west to to meet the guy. Right. And I said as much in in Reddit but of course somebody else had responded first so he's like he's like all right I'll let you know I got I got contacted from a from a other couple other people because it's like somebody else did the math. I didn't I didn't do all the math, but it's probably like seven eight hundred dollars retail worth of worth of stuff. Oh, yeah. And of course, oh, yeah. I would have to I would have to go and and parcel out the corsets and Casa Dune and the Dwarf Death Cycle, like all the stuff I already have. 
But the stuff that I just bought a couple weeks ago when I was in Greenwood is all stuff that's newer than when he stopped buying. So, like, that wouldn't be duplicated. All right. But, of course, we have Gen Con coming up, and it would be fairly simple for me to parcel out the stuff I don't want and... Oh, yeah. sell it right you know well, the, again so but. so let's let's talk real quickly about the the, the uh the, how the fighting mechanic works and the main core mechanics of playing the game oh right right Gloomhaven. Uh, again it's the 25 minute video boils down to a very simple idea of how you do this you each character has their own personal deck of cards and when mm-hmm. you open up the box you are given those those cards um, as you as you level up or get uh, unlock perks, you can get access to other cards that are in your box to put into your deck. But you only ever have sure. you're only ever your only deck size is only so big, and that's created by your class. So mine mine happens to have twelve cards. That's it. And okay, uh, that's Pat's that's what I was going to ask. Is it like a is it like a commander deck, or are you talking about like like a poker hand. Well, okay. it's like a poker. Well, so what it is, the deck, quote unquote, is is your hand. So at the beginning of the okay. game, when you start you start the game, you have all mine has 12, Pat has 8. I have all 12 cards in my hand to play. Um, so I get to pick from all of my abilities. Um, and then you what you do is you each card has a top half and a bottom half. The top half sure. is usually uh, like some kind of attack action thing. And the bottom half is mm-hmm. some kind of move action thing. So that's it okay. changes and it's different. It's all flavored. Sure, sure. Um, but what you do is you pick two cards, you place them face down, and then everybody picks their cards and place them face down. And you say one, two, three, go, and you pull them up. On that card is a is a number as well, like a just a number. And whoever has the lowest number goes first, and it continues. It's like initiative order. Um, so you also get to pick that. Like, do I want to go early? Do I want to go late? Type stuff. Um, and is so that playing, you, is that affected by what card you play? Yeah, or? yeah. The card the card you play. Okay. Each card has a number on it. Like yeah, there are a number of games that have that that have that mechanic. Right. So so I we want to have a really good powerful attacks and really powerful moves, but they go really slow. So I'll go last and stuff like that. Um, Got but it. Anyway, so you're picking these two cards and you're playing them, and then we go around on initiative order, and the, the bad guys do the same thing. They they pull a random card out of their special deck. So there's let's say skeletons. Skeletons have a skeleton's deck, and they sure. shuffled, and then they flip out one of theirs on the top, and that's what they do, um, and with initiative order on it. And then all we do is we, we literally just play in the initiative order and play those two cards um, and do what it says. Now, um, and then those two cards get put into a discard pile. You Now the next round goes, and now instead of having 12 cards in my hand, I only have 10. And you, you keep playing so and so on until you have no cards in your hand and you have to get you have to get cards. And what you do is you take a rest. There's two different types of rests in the game. But for the most part, what, what happens is that when you rest, you get your cards, you take, take your discard pile, you shuffle it and you randomly like lose one card permanently. It goes into what's called your lost pile and it's out of the game. OK. And the, the rest go back into your hand. Um, there's a little bit more mechanics, but that's the gist of it. Um also, some of these cards that you play, when you just play the two cards on your turn, um, they're really, really powerful. And just by playing them, they don't go in the discard, they go into the lost pile. So remember, if you only have 12 cards in your hand, period, total, when you go down to zero cards in your hand, you're, you're done. You're out. You lose. Oh, like, um, like in Pathfinder. Yes, like in Pathfinder in that way. Yes. So... You, you want to play all your cards, but every time you have to take a rest and get those cards back into your hand, you're going to randomly lose one. 
And so you're from your hip. Oh, control. that's like um, it's kind of similar to Century. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. that card playing mechanic, interesting. Right. Interesting. So and, and so you have to choose whether you want to do a really powerful ability that will cause you to also instead of discarding it to destroy the card, which is just hastening your 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 doom, um, or play the the weaker thing on it, and then hopefully get it back. But it's a timer. It's a built-in timer for everybody. And we we did beat the scenario, but we barely beat it. Because everyone's down like two <laughs> cards, that's it. They only had two cards left to play. Um, and, and then they were going to lose one and then and die. Um, so you do have hit points and stuff, but, but that's it. That's the main part of the, of the game is that you have these, you only have a set amount of cards. You play them down, you play two at a time, and then there's the, the shedding kind of mechanic. Um, and it goes quicker as you go along because you, if you know your character class, you know all 12 cards, you know what you're going to pick. The better you, the more you play, the quicker the game's going to get because you understand what your character classes are. Now, each class, the cards are completely different. They are completely different. Nothing's the same. There's no like generic card. It's like a plus one, plus one. No, it's like my card, it all has ranged heals and it has um, like AOE damage. That's, That's what my characters have. Nobody else in our group has ranged heals or AOE damage. But they right, have, right. like Pat has, his are all like, every one of his cards gets destroyed from the game. And then he's got one card that takes every every card from the destroyed pile and puts it back into the game. So he, okay. but he only has limited cards. He only got eight. So he sheds right. all of his cards and then gets them all back except for that one, that one card that lets him re- redo it. So it's just a, mm-hmm. they're just really, they're just really different. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it. Okay. Sounds like some interesting sort of choice choice mechanics. So, um that's something that I, I, I enjoy that I, like I it. Yeah, it's interesting. I'll have to I'll have to keep my eyes open for uh somebody with buyer's remorse who's selling it on eBay or something for Yeah. Well, don't get not eBay cuz I don't want to pay to ship this monstrosity, but Yeah, and you don't want you don't, oh, exactly, right? Right. Maybe I'll watch uh um you know, check out the auction and stuff at Gen. I, I think I think it'll last a long time if you have it. Like you buy it, you pay the two hundred dollars. It's not you're not going to be yeah with it in a week yeah. Or two, you, know? you know, if I ever get uh, if I ever get burned out on Lord of the Rings, the card game, you know, maybe another. I I hope to at some point be in a be in a different situation of life where my primary game enjoyment is not solo, but uh, the, I I enjoy it more than I expected that I would. So there's right. that. I'm still. I texted you about this. I'm still working on the only quest in the first cycle, the Shadow of Mirkwood cycle that I have is um, uh, a journey to Ruskabel. Oh, yeah, I don't know right, if you. Yeah. I don't know if you have that one. That's the one where there's a a wounded eagle. You have to get to Radagast. Oh, I think I do, but I don't. I don't think I beat that one though. It's rough. Like it, I tried it a couple times. I tried it with my basic deck I had, and uh, and that didn't work because that. That deck is very focused on um, questing, and this one, this adventure is really healing focused. Um, it is sort of the sort of questing elements. I don't want to get too deep into it, but um, I modified my base deck to give it some more healing, and still, still couldn't get through it. And so, um, I've rebuilt, not rebuilt, but built an entirely new deck that's um 
tactics and lore. I haven't had a chance to try it yet, but it's got a lot of healing stuff, and I got Legolas for that quest progression stuff, but we'll see how that goes. Right. Um, something that I wanted to talk about, and I don't know, I don't know if I quite have the the mental capacity for this tonight after being being half sick all day, but <laughs> um, I had this I had this thought last week, um, thinking about all of the various board games, video games. Well, those are the big two, um, and uh, I, I mean, I guess you could wrap. Uh, wrap mobile games into that. But um this this concept of there are there are what I call IPs or properties, worlds, books. Sure. Whatever example yeah. of of that IP is intellectual property. Um property. that that you love. Like a lot of people um, there are people who don't like Lord of the Rings, but a lot of people really love Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of people really love various comic book characters, stories, settings, you name it. Right. Um, and over the years, many, many companies have tried to channel or capitalize on that fandom with games set in those worlds. Um, Okay. Yes. Right. For sure. And, and we talked about this last fall. I think, you know, I think, for you and and for me depending on the property like for a board game to be branded a certain property or to be set in a certain ip is a is a big boost in in appeal for that yeah, for that game um i'm like oh this is it's whatever the game is but it's firefly and i know that um our buddy trotsky has said that that to him is usually a turnoff because yeah. he is all about like new game mechanics, game systems. And usually when you see an IP game, it means that they've taken some basic game system, game mechanic, and they've just like Skinned it. bent it a little bit to fit into to fit into this IP, um, which which is its own its own sort of thing but um the other oh i remember the other the other thing that made me that made me ask this question um is the the other um thing that we're recording that's not it's not published yet but um the star trek adventures role-playing game that we've talked about on the show Mm -hmm. um in the past this sense of like okay star trek is a thing and for myself and you to an extent and some of our other friends like we really like star trek we like the idea of like what kind of stories can you tell in this futuristic pseudo utopian setting it's like you know everybody does dystopian future this is utopian future um and it's very it's very unique in that regard i I feel like um but we're doing Star Trek Adventures, the role-playing game. And there are aspects of Star Trek that don't translate into a game, don't translate into a role-playing game. And it's similar with Lord of the Rings. Like, Lord of the Rings is this great, you know, epic world-building story. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but how do you make that into a game? You know, I've played uh, both of the Shadow games, Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War. Um, my dad, when I was a kid, played the like, I, I think it was probably just called Lord of the Ring or uh, Two Towers, the game or something. And it was like, I don't know, you'd do these fights and you'd make these, you'd go through these dialogue things. And if you did a thing to her, I guess it was like an RPG. Right. I never played them, so I don't know for sure. But you have this sense of like, unless you unless you really stretch the IP, it doesn't work as a game. Depend depend depends on the game and the IP, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, it, I don't know. I does. I went on for a while there. I don't my 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 question question is like, do the IPs, the intellectual properties that I love make terrible games <laughs> and that's a very generic like a huge generic question but like like can you have a fun game that gives you the same emotional gratification that watching firefly gave you just as an the, example the, sure there, there's there's two things here and I, I, we can address what you had just asked first but i'd like to bring into the conversation is that um does just an IP skinning a, a game uh, still sure. make it better? Like Legendary is a perfect example. You don't. I don't necessarily feel like I'm the Hulk when I'm playing Legendary. Yeah. But but yeah. I like that it's skinned for that. I mean, that, sure. I, and, and like I, and Legendary, I, Legendary could be Ascension. Like it could be generic themed. Yes. There's nothing. Right. Except for the, like, you try to make things a little bit thematic. Um, I think the Lord of the Rings card game is the same way. Like, it could be a generic, you know, they have um, Fantasy Flight's new-ish living card game. Co-op living card game is uh, Arkham Horror, which is this, like, mystery detective thing that's vaguely you know, Cthulhu ish themed. Yep. Yep. Um, and it's, and it's different. They have more like location focus and, and things like that. But, um, as far as like how the skinning goes, it just depends on how thematic you want to make it. So in, in legendary, um, a lot of the Wolverine cards have mechanics that let you remove wounds because Wolverine heals. Right. Um, you know, the Nick Fury cards have a lot of synergy with other shield cards because he's whatever that the head of shield. Right. Like, right. There's that. But like all of that stuff could be done without the Marvel theme. Absolutely. And and that's that's something I think that in this discussion we should at least address is that is that what's what is what value does an IP does a value an IP add value beyond just having a generic thing. But let's go back to your first question about like does does the IPs that I like suck? Um, I, I will say that this, it, it it's really dependent on on the on the game that's chosen for it and the and the IP that you're picking. Um, I would say historically, up and I don't know. I say five to ten years ago they they started to get better, but prior to that, it, they were they people didn't understand IPs. It was just I think games. And whether it be video games or board games or whatever, um, were made by marketers. They weren't made by mm. anyone else. So, so sure. 
when you talk about, let's say, G.I. Joe, they were thought of as toys first, you know, and just as a marketing piece. They were just to sell mm-hmm. stuff. And then let's put a let's put a, a, a cartoon series out to sell the toys. So it, mm-hmm. it wasn't thought yeah. of. Let's let's make a good game based on the cartoon. The cartoon was literally just a thing to launch the selling of the toys. So when you had E.T., the video game, it was literally just to sell a video game. And then the movie is will hopefully propel the sales of that game. There was not mm-hmm. a real lot of thoughts into does this IP match anything or do I want to live out? There was it's it was literally just a money making enterprise, I believe. Um, and that's unfortunate because it made terrible games. I think it really, it really <laughs> did. You, I, one I'd like to point out was, um, kind of recently brought up with the solo thing. There was a game in the nineties, late nineties, maybe called, um, masters of Terikazi. It was a star Wars game. Okay. It was I've never heard of that. To, not a lot of people have. Um, and <laughs> it was for the PlayStation and it was an attempt to, make a Mortal Kombat-esque game, but with Star Wars characters. So it was just like a Mortal Kombat game, but with Star Wars characters. Oh, um, kind of like, um, well, like Force Arena was for MOBAs. Sure. Do you play Force right. Arena? Yes, 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 yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it, it was kind of like that. And it was a horrible game in general. They It wasn't even anywhere near as good as Mortal Kombat, but it was a horrible game. But... Really, there it made no sense to have like you know Princess Leia fighting Boba Fett or things like it. Just it wasn't what you were thinking. It was simply like, hey, let's take this and take this. Sure. Well, I mean, a lot of that kind of question depends on how good the actual game is because you know we've talked at length about um, Heroes of the Storm and how much I, I play that. And even though all of its characters all of its heroes are all from Blizzard games. Like they don't make any sense. And, um, and Blizzard owns that. Like when you first start the game, you're playing as Raynor from Starcraft and he's getting a sort of instruction tutorial from Uther from Warcraft, who is of course, sort of a Arthurian stereotype fantasy character. And Raynor of course is this like cowboy space marine character um and you go through this thing and you run into diablo it's like you know uh, you know i will feast on your fear rainer's like uh i don't don't think you can really eat fear it's it's one of them (laughs) their emotions right right and so they they own the 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 silliness of this concept because it's just a, a you know it's a moba it's an arena combat it's game. just skin. And so, it's just skin and so it doesn't game. really matter. It's just the skins. And, um, you know, a game like Injustice, which to me as a non-comic reader, having read through the comics, like the, the story of that is very interesting, though I very often had to go on Google and like, okay, who is this guy again? Who's um, Darkseid or, uh, or Shazam or any of, yeah. any of those, those, uh, DC characters no one's ever heard of, but it's really just like a a framework, a justification for this fighting game between Marvel characters. You're like, okay, what kind of justification can we have for, you know, Batman and Superman getting in a fight or Wonder Woman and 
Batgirl or whatever. I don't know. I'm just making right. I'm just picking random because it's a fighting game. Like anybody could be fighting anybody at any point, which is not right. a thing that comic book heroes and villains do. Like they're generally fairly clearly split into which ones are heroes, which ones are villains. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they wanted a little bit of story to, uh, you know, sort of open that up to say, okay, well, this is an alternate world where Superman has become basically Hitler. And, uh, you know, so now the people who side with him, whether they were heroes before, now they're on the other side of these other heroes. And now they can, now they have a reason to be fighting each other. You know, I I think one of the, the key things is when we, we have to, we would have to consider what, IP we're talking when we say IP what we're talking about true because because IP I think what you and I are discussing here generally tends to mean like a story based thing whether it be movie or book or TV show it's story driven right Um, and then when you want to turn it into a game you have to say okay we for it to be a successful game to get what how you feel like you're playing firefly or you're playing star trek or you're playing whatever that it has to be a story based genre so i think that like those telltale games i think they make that's why people like them is because they make great Mm. games of these ips you you can play through the walking dead and it's mainly just a very story driven game with some choices here and there you know and whether it be walking dead or or uh what game of thrones and and you're just so that really works that's when somebody said this is how we make you know living these ips now then again if you decide to make a fighting game out of game of thrones well sure you can do that or a moba out of blizzard games sure you can do that um you sort of have to start from the premise of this is this is a little bit goofy and we all acknowledge that or or you pick you like like the Telltale games, you pick a game that is lets you is specifically a story based game that lets you do that. RPGs are sure. a really good example that work generally for those. Um, actually, the, bringing back this back to the Star Trek thing, I'm still the jury is still out for me on the Star Trek Adventures thing, whether Star Trek is able to be transferred onto an RPG thing or, mm-hmm. or maybe I'm not sure if, if this, this is it Morpheus, Morpheus games, or Mobius, Modifius, um, Modifius, it's a Modifius has successfully done what they've set out to do to recreate what you do with it. But it's, it's tricky sometimes, you know, the, the, the IP. Well, can... our, our problem there is that I don't really know how to GM. So, Oh, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I, I just think sometimes it's, it's hard to translate IPs if it's if it's a oh, here's an example. An IP is is uh, Pride and Prejudice. OK, if you you can't make a fighting game out of Pride and Prejudice, it just doesn't work. I mean, to to, to make you live the Pride and Prejudice story or oh, Shakespeare. Man, I wish I wish that and I brought this game to ICG Con and uh, I don't think we ever got to play it. But my mom picked up a Kickstarter game at Goodwill called marrying mr darcy okay and it is a competitive sort of i don't want to compare it to love letter because the mechanics are much more complicated but it's a card it's a co-op it's a competitive card game based on pride and prejudice like the the jane austen novel 
and but, you're but then again, you're playing skinning. You're playing as skinning? one of the. Say again. Is it just a skinning though? Like I guess we have to lump all those games into just skins, like things that well you can do without the the you can well, play that game without the. Record. I mean, it's very thematic. It's like you're playing as one of the female. Uh, I think they're called heroines in the game. You're playing as one of the female characters and you're trying to secure one of the male suitors, right? And okay. the male the male suitors all have um, different sort of attributes that they're looking for in their partner. So if it's if it's Darcy, he's looking for a partner that is intelligent and witty and is not as concerned with looks and stuff like that. It's a weird as I'm describing it it sounds really strange <laughs> and it and it is especially playing it like it's so entrenched in the theme that you're like you know, oh, I'm you know, I'm playing Lizzie Bennett, so of course I want to I want to go for Mr. Darcy, so I want to do this and this, but he's worth a lot of points, so you know, the my brother or whoever is playing um Charlotte Lucas and he you know so he's gonna he's gonna really try and you know double down on on whatever and then you these events happen where like you're you're at a tea party or something at somebody's house and you have to go around and make a roll there's dice too and so like depending on how you roll you might make a good impression on the people there or you might tell (laughs) a really boring story it's very like Almost role playing in a way. It's so, a, so it's, it's a really, really interesting it's really not game. A themed game. I mean, a skinned game. It sounds like it actually was thought about how to get the same feeling of that IP yeah. across. Yeah, I think I think okay. the difficulty is that there's there's probably not a ton of overlap between like serious board game gamers and uh, Jane Austen fans. And yeah. if anybody ever sent us mail, we would we would get mail for me saying that but uh for, for the chain right the crossover well yeah you're right that that sounds like a really good example of, of somebody who who took a took an ip and then tried to literally think of how can we make mechanics out of this interesting idea whatever that might be uh, i think kind of cool i think you know to sort of answer my own question it's a little bit over all over the map like some of the some of the best games in various genres are IP uh, games like I'm thinking about the Game of Thrones board game, mm-hmm. which I guess to an extent is just a reskin of Diplomacy, but the the IP hooks more people into it, which cannot you can't ignore that factor. Um, right, you know sometimes sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Like I think the Game of Thrones board game is more popular than Diplomacy, at least in my sphere of exposure. But the Games Workshop Lord of the Rings miniatures game did not have near the longevity of Warhammer, which is, you know, its own generic IP. Not generic, but its own IP that's not from something else. Um, yeah. The, uh, um, the Battlestar Galactica game, you know, unless you have somebody messing up the setup and making everyone Cylons is one of the quintessential <laughs> like traitor bluffing kind of games um, before right. or at least, you know, superseding most of the generic ones like coup and uh, the resistance. 
You, you know what's um, just as hard? So it, what, so it can be kind of hit or miss. Like um, Shadow of Mordor was very popular, but mm-hmm. it's really just an Arkham game reskinned in Lord of the Rings. Like right. there's nothing in any of Tolkien's writing that suggests that, you know, Celebrimbor who made the, uh, the rings like found this ranger and like they shared the same body and this whole weird thing so that he can respawn and he can do all of these fantastic powers. Like there's not really, I mean, I think you said this when we talked about uh, Lord of the Rings online, like there is magic in middle earth, but it's very minimal. It's very sparing, sparingly used. You know, Um, you can do, you can do the opposite though. You could do, it's just interesting to see things that are games that become IPs. And and the, mm. the best example of this one would, would have, to, or should I say, should become successful IPs. Um, so one example of this would be Warcraft. Yeah, in, Warcraft. In that it's a, it's a game, and then it has spawned, you know, a uh, movie, clearly, which is not that successful. And uh, Made money comic in China. books, books, you know, world, uh, movie. Uh, books, spinoffs. You know, spinoffs but i would argue that none of them has successfully or been successful as what the game was the same way that necessarily you know star trek games aren't as good as the the star trek shows Um, well i mean warcraft as a as an ip as a as a genre started as the rts's and the mmo has far surpassed um sure but it's but as I guess, far as I, I revenue when, and when I, longevity. When I'm talking IP again, I, I'm thinking of like storytelling medium, you know, whether it be movies mm. or books or whatever. Um, and I should, I guess, I should clarify that. What, what, why is that, that things could move from from stories, a purely narrative thing, into a you know interactive experience, as opposed to things that turn from an interactive experience to a narrative based thing? That's really what we're getting at here, right? Narrative versus interactive. Yeah, right? I guess because because yeah, that's really what it comes down to. It's like if I'm if I'm GMing Star Trek Adventures or even back when I was in college playing, you know, written role playing um with other people, it's like I in my mind have a have a fairly clear idea of like what a Starfleet officer will or won't do. But the other person is a person and they can you know, within certain limits, do whatever they want to do, right? They can write whatever they want to write because they're no, you know, they're not following a script. Otherwise, what's the point? And, you know, so they can, whatever, they can go in the holodeck and, uh, or they can go down to engineering and be wearing Victorian clothes and singing war chants. And I'm like, what war chants are you singing? Like, this is... uh, you know, 2300, there's no Prussia anymore. There's no whatever. And, but that's just me as another player. The GM is like, Oh, what? It's whatever. I don't like, I don't care. Um, right. And in a, in a, in an open RPG like that, that's, there's a whole different set of set of rules. If you're talking about a video game or a board game, it's like, how much do, or how do I say this? Because you can you can do a thing that's intentionally disrespectful, right? Like, yeah, okay. Here's of the storm is intentionally disrespectful to the other Blizzard properties, right? Sure. And disrespectful is a negative word, but what I mean is it's silly. Like they're not taking it yeah. seriously. 
Right. But it, it, it's not the seriousness of the Diablo story that. He's right. Going exactly. Up the pandas. You know. Um, the. The like Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor games are not silly, but they're sort of like. Like tongue in cheek or hand wavy. They're like. They're like, hey, yeah, this is Lord of the Rings, and so we're gonna have Rohan and Gondor and 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 Mordor and all of this like world and setting, but we're still gonna do what makes an interesting game and story in our world. You know, we're gonna make Shelob the giant spider a shapeshifter because we don't want to see a dude talking to a giant spider. That's weird, and so we're gonna make her a chick. And you're like, right? Okay, I I guess that's that's cool. Um, <laughs> well, she she oh yeah, I see. Yeah, I, I've got to play that one still. I'm I'm embarrassed that it's still sitting on my unwrapped <laughs> on my shelf since Black Friday. But ugh. I I told um, Andrew because he's because he's back staying here and he expressed some interest in playing on the PS4. I'm like, well, I think I'm going to send Assassin's Creed Origins back because I don't have time for another RPG. And I'd like to maybe right. get something else for my game like you. So if you really want to play, get on get on there and play. Because um, as we talked about before the show, I am back into WoW again for for the oh. foreseeable for the foreseeable future. That's, that's I don't want to I don't want to get huge into that because I could I could go on and on with the details. But we're right now almost exactly two months before Battle for Azeroth, the next expansion, and I I have quit and resubscribed to that game more than more than any. I mean, there aren't that many subscription games anymore. But um, as far as like games that I dropped and picked back up, like that one more than anything. And I have always been off the game, like unsubscribed, whatever, a decent amount of time before a new expansion, right? So with the exception of the very most recent expansion, Legion. I've always come back to the game some amount of time into the new expansion, like a couple weeks, a couple months. I think in the case of uh, Wrath, I was almost six months late for the expansion. Um, and so I missed all the stuff in the game at the end of an expansion, the last raid, the last mm -hmm. achievements and items and whatever. And so when I'm playing, I'm like, I'm like, why does everybody have this uh, this weapon or this mount? And they're like, oh, yeah, that was part of the part of the event the invasion event or whatever. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I'm going to get back in. I've been out of it for six, 10 months or something like that. I'm like, I'm going to get back in. I'm going to do the last raid and see the last bosses and end of the story in this expansion. And then I'll be prepared when the new expansion comes out, whether or not I can convince any of our friends to, to play it again. But rather than, right try to try to figure out again what was going on in the in the profession management grind of black desert i'm like i'll just go back to go back to world of warcraft <laughs> well it's 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 a great game i mean if i we had talked a little bit off the air about how i think that it's so overwhelming for me to me to even think of world of warcraft i mean when i was playing it actively and a new expansion would come out i would have to com almost completely relearn the game. And I would like to think that I was a pretty good expert at least my class in the game. And then 
they would change so much and put so many new systems in the, and so many the core new, combat new talent trees. Yeah, the core combat so, gameplay changes significantly in every expansion. Right. So, um, so you know, they make other was, changes with like how you find raids and groups and how the questing leveling experience goes, but they've over time changed the classes more and more to make them more to make most of them more active slash thoughtful which is a weird yeah. way to say that it's a thing that annoys me because in um in burning crusade when i raided the like stuff that i would do to dps was so brain dead simple that i bound it to the mouse wheel right and uh -huh. so when when we were raiding i was just spinning my mouse wheel that left the entire the entirety of my brain awareness to like look at my surroundings and like, what do I need to react to? Do I need to be moving this way or this way? Or, you know, should I be getting out of range of this or whatever in, in, you know, in the raid and in, um, wrath of the Lich King, I switched to tanking and I think it was this way in for a couple expansions after wrath, but it was down to like, you had one button for your six second, cooldown abilities and another button for your nine second cooldown abilities and so you would just alternate between the two and you're just mashing like two three two three two three whatever right um and it was the same kind of thing like this you know doing whatever little damage a tank does and holding aggro is this mindless process so i can be aware of everything around me is the way yeah. i look at it um but from the last two expansions and maybe a little bit before that, um, they changed almost everybody to be more of a priority. Like, if this is off cooldown, use this ability. Otherwise, use this next one. If it's on cooldown, use this next one. And then stuff like procs, so it comes off cooldown early. Um, tanks got a lot of, at least paladin tanks, got a lot of what they call active mitigation. So like when okay. the boss when the boss is just about to do a big, you know, flame breath or something, you got to hit your uh, defensive ability, and so you can't just okay. you can't just use it whenever it's off cooldown. Like you got to wait and use it at the right moment. You have to really be paying attention to that that combat loop, and it was frustrating to me because I'm like oh, I'm thinking about the combat loop and now I'm missing that I'm standing in the fire or whatever. Um, <laughs> right. But it's sort of the trade-off of them making so much else about the game simpler. Like, going through the dungeons and heroics and, and leading up to raiding is so much easier than it was in Burning Crusade. Like, you really had to be part of a serious guild to even get to the point of being able to raid. Um, you know, trying to, trying to get into pickup groups and stuff took so much time, so much hassle. And now... Now all of that is is streamlined and easy and it's you know it's changed the community and that's a whole conversation but um all of that is made easier and then the actual combat is more difficult than it used to be which is sort of a weird um sort of trade off and I I understand you know what I think their their thought process was with that but um it's just interesting to see a game that I think now they're this fall they're they're coming up on like 14 years that's crazy 14th anniversary of of this game being 
still like the biggest MMO. You know, every sure. year somebody comes out with a new MMO and they're like, well, what if we make one that's Star Wars? What if we make one that's Lord of the Rings? What if in this yeah. one you can, you know, there's active combat. There's nothing, no, uh, it's action-based combat. There's no tab targeting or anything like that. And it never, like, it gets a chunk of those numbers and, and you know, never anything even uh, even close. Even Even after all this time, even after how dated all of the graphics and character models look, compared to anything else it's still you know best in class absolutely yeah I, I, because i don't think that the the genre itself is is growing or has has and i almost want to say that wow ruined ruined the genre <laughs> i mean it, it did it so well with so many people and hit so many things that i don't think that it, it'll ever it'll ever get as good as it was anyway i mean I almost want to say fighting games peaked at like Street Fighter Two and Mortal Kombat. Sure, sure. Well, is, and is that, and we talked about this when it, we had, you know, we talked about this when we had Bill on. Um, the idea of RPGs. Um, yeah. and I've I've been talking to my brother Andrew about this because he's he's back staying with us for a while. Um, mm-hmm. um, Assassin's Creed Origins and um, what else? What else did I play? Um, Uncharted Four is not that it's it's Naughty Dog, so their their stuff is very linear. But um, oh, Shadow of War is this way too. Like the console single player RPGs try to build this like almost infinite quote unquote replayability. It's like Shadow of War has this whole randomly generated uh, uh, nemesis system. Yeah. And Assassin's Creed Origins, in contrast to any of the previous ones I played, which I think is like from Black Flag back, I never played the first one, but from 2 to Black Flag, um, I played all of those. And Origins is very much like an RPG, like there's random loot and you level up and there are quests and you do all this stuff. And I'm like, what am I playing? This doesn't even feel like an Assassin's Creed game anymore. Um, Yeah. It's like the the game publishers, some of them, are trying to make a game so open and so replayable with such a massive, like, I'm going to say time sink, for lack of a better term for that. And as I've said before in weeks past, we're in an era where people are making more stuff all the time than ever. Like, more new stuff is coming out more rapidly than ever before. And I'm like, I can't commit to a single player RPG that's really just a really just a single player MMO when there's there's other stuff. There's other stuff happening all the time. Like I could be doing right. all of these same things in WoW, and then at least there's the possibility of somebody else seeing it and be like, hey man, that's cool. Um, a joint a joint experience right like i don't need i don't need a game that's like artificially uh um inflated in its like hours of playtime. well yeah i mean but that's that's your personal preference i think that some people yeah of of course i mean they'll buy that that's 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 from a guy who's who's gone back to wow for like the seventh or eighth time (laughs) grain of salt yeah I, I I enjoy WoW, and I think that, I'm matter of fact, I just noticed it on my desktop here that it's actually on my desktop, um, so it's installed, at least at some point. <laughs> uh, 
and, and if I ever, no, I don't want to say that it's the one I would go back to because I, because I, I do every once in a while play Elder Scrolls, which was fun and has its own little thing. Um, but if I was ever for some unforeseeable reason, like going to get, how do I say this nicely? waste no uh waste my life or, or spend so much of my life on on a game sure I, I don't think you can properly play wow unless you invest significant amounts of time to it um i would go I'll, wow I'll, i mean if i was if there was a game i'll use I'm i'll use the word lifestyle i'm not ashamed lifestyle I, that, I actually i like that better i don't like i don't like the word waste because that's that's derogatory but if you if i'm gonna if i would choose that that would be something that i'm gonna spend significant for or there's a game, then sure, WoW WoW would be would be one of those that would be on the top. Yeah, of the list. I like, mean, hey, let's go back and do. You're right. Saying saying waste is a is a derogatory thing, but like that's not what I meant. Yeah, you know, it, there are there are so many things that people do with their lives. N- not even with their li- like with their lives is also a strong a strong statement. Yeah. But like, you know, there are people who watch every episode of the CSI or law and order or the bachelor or any of that stuff. Yep. Like, like yep. I don't get into any of that stuff. So, you know, right. who's, who's wasting what it's just, it's just what you enjoy to do. What gives you, I, you know, entertainment right. and satisfaction and whatever. And like one, one person's waste is, is another person's gratification. Yeah, I actually agree with that. I agree with that strongly. And 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 that that's why it was hard. For, I I didn't want to use the word. I think waste was the the bad thing. Uh in, in my in my choice there to say things, it's the um when I say waste, it's like to spend time doing that instead of other things that are more interest to me. Mm, and and mm-hmm. that that can actually be other video games. You know, because yeah, yeah. I spend I guarantee you I spent more on my PlayStation than I ever spend on WoW. Um, right. and, and I played the should at a while, you know, to <laughs> put it a certain way. Um, but the, um, it's just that, you know, I also read comic books and I probably spend more time reading comics than I, than I did. Wow. Um, but sure, sure. So, so a lot of times for, for me, people could say, Oh, you know, you waste so much time reading novels and books, you know, when I would rather be playing a video game. You know, well, yeah, and and read the, right? re- reading is an interesting thing because it's held up as this paragon of like valuable time spent, but it really depends on what you're reading. Like, if you're reading, yeah. you know, Harlequin romance novels, like, I mean, maybe you're engaging your brain more than somebody watching soap operas, but you're not, you know, improving as a person. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's the way, that's the same thing with you said this wow thing is that, you know, just because you spend time in an MMO doesn't necessarily now, of course, it it's a little different because there are a lot more cases where, you know, something like an MMO like wow has negative effects on other parts of your life, too. But I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, you, know, you don't have become, a lot of readers who are going off and, and not people become you know, addicted eating, to, eating to all kinds of things. That's the whole uh you know, the early eighties, um, moral scare about stuff like D and D and, and oh, all sure. those things. Like if you, if you go like fully into something that you're like neglecting other aspects of your life, then yeah, that becomes, you know, people do that with relationships. People do that with substances controlled or otherwise, you know, that, that can be anything that you, uh, abuse. 
in that way. Right, right. All well, right, man. I will say, I will, real quickly, I will say that some video games encourage the massive time effort mm. as opposed to reading. Sure. Reading, you will, you can get that. You can have spend time, you know, watching football, and it's over. You can spend, and they don't encourage you to constantly be watching football twenty yeah. hours, seven days a week, and 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 all the mechanics are that you can't miss another one. Whereas opposed to like Warcraft, if you miss it daily, you're falling behind the curve. You know, stuff like sure. that. Uh, but anyway, that's a, I don't know how we got, yeah, we, it's tang- just, we it's really w- tangented it off that one, didn't we? Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we should, right. as, as we start wrapping things here, we should definitely talk about our weekly challenge. What do you think? Okay. Um, I was going to, I was going to real quickly before we do that, take a uh-huh. quick second for good news, everyone. Oh, going to jump me with some good news. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. We can we can jump that in there again with me blindsiding. I think of <laughs> months of doing this that I would have good news happening. Uh, I, I'll I'll field it. I'm not. I usually when I get blindsided, I, I make you go first. But I'll t- I'll bite the bullet here this time. Um, I had my good news. Um, is celebration of Father's Day last week. Last Sunday was Father's Day. I sure, am sure, as yeah. our listeners know, I'm a father. Uh, and I have uh, great kids who are who are awesome and amazing. Um, m- one of my daughter is actually in Disney World right now with her mom and her mm-hmm. mom's family, and so she was very busy with that. And she's it's so nice that she got to she did call me and talk to me, and it was so sweet. And my older daughter actually has a, a, a daughter of her own, so they were out with celebrating that Father's Day with him, and she called me, and that was nice. Hmm. But the, the the good news is that I got to, I thought that was going to be a day that I would spend um, just hanging out and doing my own stuff, but I had a friend call me up, and she and her daughter were going to go to the pool with some of their friends, uh, with some of their, like her her daughter's friends, and she said, hey, you want to come out to the pool with us? And I was like, nah, why not? <laughs> and it was really cool because went to the public pool, and if you're in Bloomington, it's the Bryant Pool Park, or Park Pool, and... Um, I was fortunate enough to be one of the, like the only like dad. I wasn't a dad there. There was none of my kids there, but okay. the, the the male adult with all the people there. And I just got to play with like five little kids for that whole father's day. And it was <laughs> super fun. I got to be that, like the dad in the pool who's throwing kids across the pool, sure, and, sure. you know, jumping on the back, playing sea turtle, stuff like that. So father's day ended up being a, fa- a really fun father's day without, my kids you know what i mean <laughs> yeah so, but but i love my kids and i would love to with them there but sure it sure. was really fun that was really really good and and i enjoyed the 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 hours of playtime with just kids in general and i i love i love children so it was really fun a bunch of seven-year-olds you know nice scratching me on the back but <laughs> so what about <laughs> you what, what was your good news um let's see Man, while you were talking, I ran through a couple of <laughs> a couple of options. They're like none of them amazing. Like I talked last week or maybe the week before about how um, my dad's lawnmower had a, a busted ignition switch, and I had to order a new uh-huh. one online. Well, I got that yeah. and plugged it in, and it worked great. And I um, mowed a bunch last end of end of last week. Yeah, late later like. Thursday or Friday of last week. Okay. Um, 
I got those boxes and dividers for Lord of the Rings, the card game, and got those designed and printed Which out. Which were spent, nice. You should spent, put those in the Spent way too much way. time on that, but I'll, I'll post a picture of them. They, they look okay. Um, you know, I, I, in hindsight, when I did my dividers, I actually spent a significant amount of time on them, too. And, I, and I'm, uh, I was thinking, like, I know you had mentioned, oh, I spent so much time on it. But, man, I did, too. And, and I get it. It was worth it. It's kind of cool. My right? my only and, problem and now is that is that I ex- for some reason I expect the cards to be in front of the divider, but because the dividers fold back, all of the the dividers are in front of their cards. Um, yeah, which is a weird like they won't fit in the box if I put them in front of the divide. Like the divider will stick out of the box if I put the dividers behind the cards. Yeah, but because they're the folded front, back, right? I expect the it's a weird psychological thing. <laughs> uh, so. So so somewhere somewhere between those two and I'll 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 put a picture. I also of course I should I should say I'm not a parent but I spent last week with um all of my nieces and my nephew and um David's uh you know my brother David he, he hasn't been on yeah, the show yeah, but yeah. um his older girl is 2 now and so she wow for for whatever reason you know I don't I don't know if you've experienced this but but little kids like they they change so fast compared to oh, yeah. compared to adults that like as a as an uncle, um, I'll see my my nieces or nephews and they'll they'll be a certain way. Like they'll have a thing that they say all the time. And yep. then in in my mind as an adult, I'm like, oh, that's that's how they are. This is a thing that they do. And then I see them again like six months later and they don't do that any at all anymore. It's like it's done. So <laughs> no, I mean, just so quickly. Um, but um, uh, D- David's older girl was very, uh, very engaged with me this trip. Uh, I won't, I won't try to imitate the way that she said Uncle Dennis, but it was like that everything was so she was cute. doing. She was like, she was like, hey, hey, um, you know, she'd say, she'd say that as she can pronounce it, and then a whole string of other stuff that all sounds like gibberish to me. Um, but You're right. like, like but all the time, but it was endearing, isn't it? It was, it was really sweet to, to hang out with her. And the, the younger one is just a few months old. So she's, you know, kind of, kind of fussy, but still an okay, uh, baby, you know, she's pretty easy to, um, cheer up if she's, if she's fussy or whatever. So it was, it was cool hanging out with the, They live down in Florida now, so I don't see them, you know, but a couple times a year at most, um, so that was cool. Yeah, that's. I mean, family, kids, and stuff. It's always they're always so said endearing. It's, it's, yeah, it's good. It's heartwarming, right? Yep. Yep. All right, so let's 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 launch into the the challenge, man. Yeah. Yes. So our challenge for last week was to watch. Uh, shoot, I had the director's name in mind before. I want to say Michael Mann. It doesn't matter. Is that, is that the director? Okay. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, movie Heat, starring Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. Not to be confused with The Heat, with um, Sandra Bullock and um, Melissa yes. McCarthy, not, which is which is what Andrew thing. asked when I, I said we were watching. I'm like, we got to watch this movie Heat. Is like, he's like, is that that Melissa McCarthy movie? I'm like, no, mm-hmm. it's from the 90s. Um, <laughs> yeah, that movie is called The Heat, which is very similar. Um, but 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 not very similar in the movie itself. I don't I don't know. I've never seen that one. So 
Um, <laughs> why don't you can you can you summarize this this film without without sure. spoiling? Short, shortly, it's uh, it's a movie. It's a heist slash crime drama uh, that follows a police officer in the form of Al Pacino and his hunt for these bank robbers. And the bank robbers are consist of uh, Robert De Niro, Val Kilmer, and a couple other uh, big guys, mm-hmm. big name guys. And they are planning a couple heists that they do. They start off with one like armed car robbery thing, leads into another heist, leads into another heist um, where drama ensues and they come head to head kind of at the end. So and it tells their story from the crime standpoint of kind of making them real people. And also humanizes the police officer as well. So it's very drama, very heavy acting type story driven show. So you That's you'd seen this you'd seen this film before. Um I have. Would you have two different numbers out of let's say twenty that you would have given sure. it before and after rewatching? I, I'd sure I'd give it a I'd give it a seven, 15 to 17 both times. I feel that I felt just as good about it this time. Ooh, I don't know. Maybe I'd low I, I'd, I'd lower it a little bit. Maybe I'd say mm-hmm. 13 to 14. And the re- only reason I would lower it is because I have changed. And because the way I have watched my I watch movies and today's movies, um, mm-hmm. sadly, I it's it's longer. It was a slower pace, and I harp mm-hmm. on slower movies. I harp on those things that are long drawn out to get the the punch at the end. And this is like a three hour movie. And before it, that didn't bother me because that was the point of the show. I mean, it's it's just experiencing this thing. But because of who I am now and the movies that I watch and all the other things that happen, uh, if it had come out now, I would complain about it being too long, where I wouldn't have before. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that, that would knock it today's, if I just judged it today, knock it down about three or four points. Um, Yeah. And, and I don't think I, I, to my knowledge had never seen it before. Um, Mm -hmm. I would not have given it more than 13 or 14 out of 20. Um, I think we can probably say everything we want to say about this movie without spoiling the ending. It's not super like, yeah. The ending could have gone either way, and it would have. I don't think it would have made that much difference to the impact of the film. Um, I agree. I watched this movie in. So the, all all that to say, we're gonna not spoil the ending. We're gonna talk about stuff that happened in between. So if you've never seen we'll spoil something the nineteen ninety five film Heat, and you don't want the details in in the middle to to be spoiled, then you should stop and watch it and then come back um welcome back welcome back i watched this movie in three sittings um, three okay which is strange but i started it uh let's see today's tuesday i started it sunday night thinking that we were on a normal schedule even though i knew that we weren't um Mm -hmm. but i was like i'll watch it sunday night and then i'll be i'll i'll be prepared but I had, I don't know, started it too late or had not gotten enough sleep Saturday night, whatever. And I was, I was struggling to stay awake by about 
40-ish minutes in. Yeah, and it doesn't have a fast pace. No, this is a movie with a two-hour, 50-minute runtime. So it's 10 minutes yeah. shy of three hours. And when I saw that, I was like, you know, it's Netflix, but I'm like, I'm like, am I on a director's cut? Can I go back and get the, <laughs> and can I get the, maybe can I get the edited for TV version even? Right. Um. And so I watched right up until they are about to make another hit, like they're drilling through a vault. And then they oh, okay. yeah. they realize that they're made and they bail yep. the, the criminals. Yep. Yep. And so where whatever point that is, I want to say like 40 minutes to an hour in. And I was just like, I wasn't bored, but I was almost bored. I was like, I sure. see what's happening. It feels like like a baseball game. Like. Every so often there's action and the action is really good. I'm not saying like necessarily action because later, you know, in the third act, there's a lot of action, action. This is like there's good dialogue. There's good kind of stuff happening. But then there's definitely character development. But then in between there's like there's like, okay, now we're seeing the girl who is uh, Al Pacino's character's love interest and they're together and it's morning and they're waking up. Yeah. And they're they're maybe talking a little bit, but it's a lot of just there's her looking at him and he's there yep. and that it's just very slow. Um I, I wonder I wonder if and tell me what you think of this. I wonder if that's too bad that today that today's age we can't make movies like that because what would happen is that those would be taken to the editor and they would cut the living heck out of it because there's a lot of scenes in this movie that you can just cut to to get the if you just wanted to get mm-hmm. the point of cop chasing bad guys you know two big action scenes getting to the big showdown at the end you can cut out a ton of this movie and make it an hour and a half well, but... and and you contrast it with a movie like Infinity War, where yeah, there's there's the amount of story that this movie had is like a fifth of the amount of story in Infinity War. Like almost none of the stories and characters and side plots and all this stuff. There's so much in Infinity War that like it barely has any room to breathe. You're like here's right. here's Vision and Scarlet Witch, Wanda, and they're in this relationship, and they and, and also in the meantime, you know, um, the Guardians have their whole thing, and Groot's a teenager, and there's like it's all just yeah, it's fast, boom, 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 little little bits and clips, and like get the message across. I think it's just that's how we live. That's how we live today with our movies. Yeah, so it's we, just we a we symptom of the times, movies. like. You know, as I've said repeatedly, there's so much of everything all the time. Like, there's new movies, there's new TV shows, YouTube videos, podcasts, whatever. Like, there's so much stuff that you can't... I mean, you can, right? We watched uh, Godless a couple months, a couple weeks ago. And it has that kind of, like, taking its time. But... Something about it in the in the atmosphere and whatever um, of the storytelling made that mostly okay. Like as long as I wasn't super tired, like I was okay 
like going along with that. You know, Tarantino movies do that too. Like they hmm. take their time doing stuff. That's true. Slow. A lot of know. a lot of long, tense dialogue scenes, and then right. and then almost anime level violence. Right. Well, like the Hateful Eight was just tons of dialogue and just tons of talking and slow progression. I'm not sure that I um, saw that one. Yeah. Well, that's the new that, one. That's that's interesting with, with bringing it back to Heat is that that this. You're right. This is something that if it was released today, I would say, oh, my gosh, they could just edit the cred out of this. And we, we had what's that movie we had with it? This is going to be a bad comparison, but um, <laughs> the alien that went to Mars that was um, on Netflix the, for the weekly challenge. Um, Titan, was, the Titan. Titan. Yeah, the Titan. Um, that one was slow, but that one also was slow and didn't have make any sense, had no plot holes and no character progression. Yeah. I think so this one is long, but has. This is the one where people say characters need to grow and to develop. This yeah, so in, in so space. I did some as as I do. I got on I got on IMDb a couple times. So I watched that first forty five minutes in the first session, and then last night I got on and watched most of the rest of it. I intended to watch the whole thing, but somewhere around like fifteen minutes before the end, our internet went out. Oh, and sorry. and I was like, oh, it's not loading. Well, I guess I'm done. It was like two a.m. or whatever. Um. And so I finished it uh, over lunch uh, today. And after, like, starting with that second segment where I started it up again, um, you know, I I left my, I didn't have my iPad or, or, I mean, I had my phone, but I didn't get on my phone or anything. I was focused. I was like, okay, I'm going to pay attention. And I'm going to watch this. I'm going to not get distracted, not get bored. And I feel like the pace picks up from that point, probably like, starting with the second act where like, Oh, you know, Robert De Niro's character realizes that, you know, the cops have made them. And so they're, they're stepping, you know, they're giving up on this, on this, um, on this take. Cause you know, they're going to whatever. And then the other, the other cops and, and whatever, like, Hey, we're, we got to go after them. They're getting away. And Al Pacino's like, no, they didn't do anything now that we can't pin anything on them. It's pointless. That first, you're right. That first third of the movie is a whole lot of setup that doesn't necessarily that that is part that is one section I would say that that could definitely be sped up that you don't need to have a lot of because there they, are important things like you you want to see you want to see the setup of Al Pacino's partner and her daughter who's Natalie Portman. Um, you want to see and Val Kilmer and his wife. You want to see Val Kilmer and. Um, and Ashley Judd. Gambling problem. You want to see um, um, Robert De Niro and uh, his new love interest, judging Amy, uh, him yep. meeting her in the bar, and them like all of that has to be set up because really, I think the the core right. the core of this story is about relationships. Yes, like there's all of this crime drama cat and mouse like a full like it's got to be like 40 minutes worth of like gun chasing between the two sequences um toward the toward the end of the second act and and the very end of the movie like so much like al pacino chasing robert de niro with a gun and maybe a couple other guys shooting at other you know 
his the criminals crew shooting at cops and just like shooting 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 to the point that's like okay yeah i mean i get it they're running and you're shooting but like i'm bored now um i I will i will say this and this is important to say with this movie and it's because it's the reason i actually chose this movie for us to watch is that those scenes those action scenes in here are still and do hold up to date the best sound action kind of gun shooting scenes in any cinema that i've ever watched like I'm sure you, I'm not sure what, how you watched it, but I watched it on my stereo again and it's not quite set up for my surround sound that I used to have. But when I watched it originally in like 5.1 surround sound, it is unbelievably amazing. Those guns going off have distinct sounds and when they hit mm. and the whizzing by and you, it's just like heart pulsing, you know, thud, 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 thud. and then there's echoes like you're in this, you know, LA circular type stuff. And when the, it's just so good. And then when I heard it again, I listed it on my stereos. You're in a very drama filled movie. That's kind of slow and thought provoking. And to have this massive sound cacophony hit you all the time was just so cool. But hmm. if I watched it on my iPad, <laughs> I would get bored within five minutes of it. Well, it's, because, it's funny. I don't know if I, I don't know if I said this last week, but this was one of my, grandma's favorite movies apparently mom said she mom said she was a big fan of al pacino um but she watched all that like matlock and uh all those sort of detective dramas law and order before it was a cliche back in the 80s um right i mean maybe it was still cliche then i don't know um and you know, I'm sure she was watching on a tube TV with like one speaker, so there's no, uh, right, sure, n- none of that. I didn't, I wasn't really cognizant of of sound. It was just the sort of like Lord of the Rings thing where there was nothing in those sequences that made me suspend my disbelief. Like it was interesting oh, sure. to see what I recognize as '90s model cars, police cars, next to '80s model police cars like that was kind yeah. of kind of novel to me but like the the effects of the cars getting shot and the like the paint coming off and the little like all of that looked very real um mm-hmm. i was sort of what whatever it was sort of satisfying to have almost no cars ever explode yeah, you were, I was waiting for it. Right, cuz right. that's a that's a that's a movie trope. Um But yeah, as it got toward the end, I was like I was like, okay, I understand now why they spent so much time on Al Pacino's relationship with his partner. I don't remember if they're married or not, but um right. Her and her daughter. Um and so I'm not saying partner in that in that sense, just that I don't know their their marital status. Um yeah. because his whole character is like you know, who is he? Right. He can't really yeah. be he can't really be a husband or father because his whole identity is is wrapped up in this chase. Um, and the right. same is true of of Robert De Niro, which is why spoilers, they have that scene in the middle where they meet and talk and have a conversation. And I was like, man, this which is, was great. That's a this, really great. This scene, is unique in that. Yeah. In that sense, and I and I looked them up. I couldn't remember how old um, the Godfather was. Yeah, but these actors are both in their fifties when this movie yeah. came out. 
um, yeah. which they're was pretty awesome, which was interesting. Like they're, they're, they're both. I know, I know that you said, you said for a, for an extent of time in the movie, you, you couldn't, you couldn't tell them apart, but. Oh, wait. Yeah. I'm a little silly. It's pretty that, simple. Robert De Niro is the guy with the mole and <laughs> yeah. Al Pacino is the guy who randomly yells his lines. He does. He does. She I, had a great I, I, I ass. Always, I always, because they're both they're both uh, gangster mobster kind of. It's it's true. It's true. The well, the the I will say that because of the slow pace, because of the thing that they've done, and I and I really like how you said relationships was the the point of it. Um, with all of the the heist and the stuff, the story that goes along with it, the bank robberies. You're right. This idea of relationship and humanizing all the characters. They never said that the bad guys were good. They never alluded to that or said anything else or that the, the good guy was bad. He definitely had relationship problems, but he was good. He was a very human person. But I, I, I think that at every, from the second half on, right when you said things start picking up, because of that investment, that long investment we had at the beginning, it made the rest of the movie very poignant. It meant mm-hmm. that when every heist guy, that we won't say who, but when the heist guys died... You knew it. Even the secondary characters, you know, like, oh, that guy's dead. And I knew his girlfriend and what they just did and what they were like. He could have gotten out, mm-hmm. you know, or this guy got pinched and he he's beat to death, you know. And then it makes the other ultimate bad guy much more, you know, evil when he does things to the prostitute. Um, so they build up so much of these like who these characters are so that when if they die or they live, or their you know significant others have these interactions with them. It means a whole lot at the end. Uh, one of the characters walks away from, well, a couple of the characters walk away from their significant others, and you can feel how important that is to those people. You know, you're like, yeah, oh, like it, saving it's a them. it's a serious thing, but it it saves them. I also i I can't not mention this. I was amused how both like it was a little bit of. Um, did you see Shaun of the Dead? Yeah. There's the scene where he meets one of his like exes or old friends and like they have parallel groups. Yeah. Right? It's like them and they have one friend and then they have another friend and their significant other and the mom. Right. Like they cross uh-huh. and they're like mirror characters. Right. Um, It was amusing to me how this movie was made in 1995 and both. Al Pacino had his own as the detective had his own sort of posse and Robert De Niro as the criminal boss had his own posse. Yeah. Right. And both had like, like mostly white guys. They're both, you know, Italian white guys, but like they both had one black guy. One guy had like the, the detective, the police character was native American, I think. And, um, the criminals had Danny Trejo, whose character was Trejo, which amused me. But um, <laughs> like one sort of Hispanic Native American, if you can lump those two together. But it's like like they had mirrored diversity, quote unquote. They did. Right. Which is kind of amusing right. to me. Well, I, I did. I did to, to close it up there. I, I did. En- I did enjoy it the same way that I enjoyed it the first time. The, the story and everything itself. It was just as impactful. I am still and always will be a huge Robert De Niro fan. Um, it's 
arguable that he plays mostly the same characters. I mean, I guess he's played a couple different ones. There's a but there's a fair amount of nuance. I mean, in both of those guys, like I, you know, I made the crack earlier about Al Pacino shouting, mm-hmm. but yeah. really, when you see his his transformation, a lot of his scenes, obviously the scene with the two of them, a lot of his scenes with um with his partner talking to her about you know, and when um there's a thing at the end where involving her daughter where he he kind of comes through as a as almost a hero kind of character you see Mm -hmm. you see the expressions in his face like at a certain to a certain extent he wishes that he could be some different person but acknowledges that he's not that he is who he is and and you know who he is 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 who he's chasing i think he has a line to that um to that end who's your who's who's your who's your favorite character i know that's kind of say who's your favorite character in this one and then then who what's your favorite scene oh man having only seen it once yeah um because this is riddled with good characters throughout yeah or flawed characters or whatever it may be sure um I mean, I don't know. I I think it has to be one of the two leads, and I don't know if I could pick between the two. They're both kind of equally, yeah. quote unquote, honorable and and also flawed. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, think... obviously, one of them is a criminal, so there's that. But the yeah. other one, you know, Al Pacino is still like. He still has major character deficiencies because of his single mindedness. You know that this this movie actually lets you sit on on talk about relationships and characters. It lets you sit on even even the smallest side characters. It gives you at least a scene with every single one of them about that's important. Like the 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 main bad guy i guess you say he has the scene with the, with the prostitute that didn't need to be in there but set gave him up and there was the, the there was several scenes with um the guy that was the the driver at the end mm-hmm. who's the ex-con yeah that again they could have just randomly got in the by in the movie but the director and the writers were like every character has to have a story every character when they die we want them you yeah feel and and that character that. is a little bit of that social commentary about the prison system. Like once you've been in jail, like it's very, very difficult to, um, to come out of a life of crime. Like you're the, yep. the deck is so stacked against you. Like life is hard for a normal person, a quote unquote normal person, yep. like who is, who has not been through that experience. But like, once you have, you know, it's even more stacked against you. Like whatever opportunities you get are going to be kind of shitty and you know yep. he's he's working for this guy who like has all the power and so can just abuse that that situation yeah yeah and i and i i think again this is something that today's day and age they would have just cut they would just cut the cutting room floor all mm. that extra stuff which which is it's a little sad because he he only has some parts in it but when he dies like as soon as he gets shot which i'm spoiling that but as soon as he gets shot it's in any other movie, it would be just a simple random killing death. It's not a big deal. But he gets shot, and you're like, oh, his whole storyline is permanently done. 
It's done. Like done. Yeah. There's there's nothing else to say. This guy is dead in a shot. You know. Yeah. Nothing dramatic. He just gets shot. And you're like, whoa. There's a there's a lot of for him. A lot of people shooting in that scene and a lot of people getting shot in that scene, that sequence, and he's one of the guys that gets shot. Right, right. Yeah. So anyway, that's heat. I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. And and I'm glad that we watched it again. Um, yeah. I'll still keep it in my, my repertoire. I, I, of I think crime. I think you could have shortened the runtime without losing the significance of that character. I think you could have shortened up a lot of the early. Um, I agree with that. Just like atmospheric shots and like slow relationship. Not Like you could have kept all the relationship dialogue and cut a lot of the just slow like. There's an early lovemaking scene and and stuff like that. Like, right. I agree. I yeah. do agree with that. That, that would have helped it a lot. All right. So that that was that was heat. I think heat. and and it's it's my pick next, right? It sure is. This this, this you, was you yours. Get, I got that heat was mine. This pick, this pick one is prime th- one. This one is a oh, little on the nose, ones. but after after seeing Al Pacino and Robert De Niro in their fifties. I thought it might be worthwhile to go back to the okay. to the classic quintessential oh, film The Godfather. Ah, okay. All right. I, I mean it's, you'd say that. It's on Netflix. Okay. So we're we're it going is back. On Netflix. Okay. I want to say like 1972, so these guys are like late 20s, maybe early 30s. Yeah. You know this is a great pick for you to do this because um this wouldn't be rewatching it. And this, I'm admitting this on the air is that I've not seen the Godfather. I've just not seen it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's before either of our times. And I, yep. I think that I watched it maybe late high school, early college when I was really into what I thought of as cinema. Um, yep. but I, I don't remember a lot about it. Um, I remember all the, all the high notes that everybody knows, you know, is, is, daughter's wedding and the horse head in the bed and you yeah you break in my heart and i'm making an offer you can't refuse all of those cliches the things that have become cliche um but after after watching this this movie heat i think i think we might be in the right headspace to to go back and now of course this is is almost 20 years earlier than uh Man. than that movie but but kind of kind of to expect to not expect modern pacing or modern I, I, I uh, can't believe you're getting me to watch the Godfather <laughs> diversity okay. and uh and and um gender gender equality, equality. Um, I I I I want to say that I I think the reason the reason I haven't watched the Godfather is because um there's been mixed signals whether I think it holds up which is this is a right. good medium that we're doing this challenge it's, in and it's almost and, and also it's, it's we're long. like I heard it's super long. Yeah, it's another it's another like two hours, 50 minutes. So have that in mind. I did not know that before I started watching heat. And I was like, oh, well, it's, you know, 10 o'clock. I could start this movie. And then I, you know, Netflix, right. the scrubber bar shows up on there. And I'm like, what? Two hours, 50 what? minutes. Okay, Especially so, when, so the, let's just when clarify, the first act we're is so about slow. But... Only watching the first one, right? We're not watching. Oh, yeah, three yeah, yeah. Parts to this. I mean, we might. Like we might go on and nine hours, but. and watch the sequel in another in another in another segment another week. But for this week, okay. just the first one, just the original, um, 
1972, Francis Ford Coppola's The Godfather. Got it. All right, and, we can do that, and, man. And understanding that this this movie's almost 50 years old. So it's, wow. there are going to be things about it that don't quite comport with a modern viewpoint, but yeah, you, you know, wow. take it, take it, take it for what old. it is. A classic. That's, that's a super classic right there. For sure. Wow. For sure. Okay. 99% Let's... on Rotten Tomatoes. Whoa. All right. Here we go. Let's do this. All right, man. That's good for us this week, I think. We got it. Yeah. We nailed every, it. Every time I say that it's going to be a short episode, we end up going long. Yeah. It's your fault. You did it. You said, like, I'm sick. We're going to have a short one today. <laughs> then and you then got me talking about wow, and I'm like, okay, well, I'll take it. And <laughs> bring up some Warcraft. Well, all right, you know everybody it helps us save two or three extra lives. Is what happens. It's true. So we're good. It's true. I'm happy with that. This has been the Front Porch episode 43. A special thanks, as always, to our friends over at Geek Scholars Movie News. Our website is frontporchpodcast.com. If you go there, you find show notes and links for this episode, along with our contact information. Go ahead and, and tell us all the stuff we're wrong about. Oh, if yeah. you enjoy the show, you can subscribe Especially on Apple Dennis. Podcasts. Yeah, for sure. Anywhere podcasts are found. While you're there, if you leave us a review, that helps us out a lot. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For The Front Porch. Have a good week, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye.